0: Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community and make a difference. Hey, my name is Jeff and I'm part of the teaching team here at Rainier View. And we are so excited that you're joining us for our series, Don't Miss It. In the series, we're looking at the parables that Jesus tells. The parables are just short stories that Jesus tells with a singular point. And on the surface, they're pretty simple. A lot of them are pretty easy to understand at first, but they cause us to think deeply about more of our inner lives, the attitudes we have towards others, the thoughts that we think, and then ultimately the actions we take. And Jesus challenges us with these parables at a very fundamental level to think differently about our lives and the lives of others, and that's what we're looking at. And today we're looking at a, a parable about a party. And it got me thinking about when I was an undergrad, I worked as a caterer and I went to college in downtown Chicago. And so being a caterer was great because I I got to work a ton of hours on the weekends, more free time during the week for classes and and stuff. And so when I worked as a a caterer, I would go, you know, help set up and tear down these big elaborate fancy events, pass hors d'oeuvres, plate fancy meals, uh, you know, set up elaborate dessert You know, buffets at some of the most iconic and pretty cool places around Chicago, the Field Museum, other places like that. But the reality is for these parties, it wasn't just like anybody could attend, (laughs) it tended to be those who were a little bit more well off, wealthy, and they tended to invite other people who had wealth, who had means. You you had to know somebody to get an invitation to to these parties that might've been a a wedding at the Field Museum with a two-story tall, elaborate floral arrangement, or like an ice sculpture of a T-Rex, or just crazy things, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a fundraiser. You had to know somebody to get an invitation, or you had to work at a certain business to be invited to one of these events. And so we're gonna look at this parable about a ruler who wanted to throw a great banquet, a, an amazing celebration, but his initial guest list kind of turns him down. <laughs> they all decide that, you know, we're a little, we're a little busy, no, sorry, uh, maybe next time, and they keep turning him down. Now, what we need to understand is that this is a metaphor, this grand banquet that Jesus is talking about here in this parable, it's a metaphor for future life with God and great great banquet is just an ancient phrase for giant party this is the kind of celebration that god wants us to look forward to one day that we will get to experience in the next life if we're willing to trust god take him up on his invite but the original guest list they kind of turn them down uh, they make excuses and maybe they thought they were above the guest list maybe uh, they just really thought that they had better things to do Maybe they weren't so certain about the eccentric nature of the ruler. We don't know uh, why, but again, when Jesus tells these stories, on one hand, it's very simple. God wants to a party; people turn him down. He opens up the invitation for anyone and everyone to come. The end. Right? Don't turn down. Don't turn down an invite. Right? Like, that seems to be very straightforward. But as we see, Jesus is really getting us to to look within, to look under the surface of my attitudes, my thought life, my patterns of how I view other people in my life. And we're going to see that this, this parable is actually quite challenging to us. Uh, And so we're going to open up to Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse one. If you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to download a copy for free on the Bible app And you can just go to the app store on your phone device and you can get a free copy of the Bible there. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today, Uh, but we're going to begin with just with one verse in Luke 14, beginning in verse one. It says, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And so Jesus is at this dinner party on a Sabbath at the home of a very important Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees at the day were a group of people that basically thought they were better than other people because they had elevated places of status in their society. Not only were there people who had spiritual authority, often over other people, but they wielded social authority influence and power over others as well and so because of that they believed that they had these places of honor among other people because of god's favor that somehow they were they were magically better than others and it's interesting the gospels record several times where jesus chooses to have dinner with a pharisee he chooses this and it's kind of interesting because the pharisee is actually engaging in a very roman a very kind of pagan practice of what, what was kind of known as a Roman symposium, uh, Roman symposium. He's trying to enhance his social status uh, by hosting this, the Pharisee. So a, Ro- a Roman symposium looked kind of like, there was a host who had wealth, who had influence, who had power of some sort, and he wanted to enhance that. So he invited other people to a party that he was throwing that had wealth, influence, etc., And then they would invite a guest a guest that often possessed some special wisdom or somehow would enhance the lives of the other people gathered. Uh, basically, it's kind of like a ancient friendship networking event for the rich and powerful, is kind of what the Pharisee's doing. And Jesus, he knows this full well when he accepts the invite to go to the Pharisee's dinner party. Uh, and he knows that the Pharisee's just trying to do one of, one of a couple things. The Pharisee wants to use Jesus to enhance his reputation, to enhance his status to the, to the community around him. So he's trying to use Jesus. Or he's trying to trap Jesus in his words. He's, he's a little worried that Jesus is saying some stuff that might jeopardize his place of status, his place of security in his world and his context. And he, and he wants to make sure that Jesus doesn't disrupt that. Now, no matter what the Pharisee's motive is, Jesus knows that something He's either manipulative going on or or it's a trap. And so Jesus still goes anyways. Why would Jesus go to this party knowing full well that there's some kind of impure motives going on? Here's the thing. Jesus goes to the party for the Pharisee. He's there for the Pharisee. The Pharisee this group that believed over and over again that they're good with God because their heritage uh, makes them better than others uh, just because of something inherent within them that, that they're deserving and others are not, uh, that, that their lives are good and that they're just using Jesus as kind of an add-on to make their lives even better. Or again, they're threatened that Jesus might disrupt the place of privilege that they've, they're enjoying in their setting and they don't want anything to jeopardize that. And Jesus knows that, but he chooses to go to the party anyways. Because he's about to blow up this guy's framework for understanding how the kingdom of God really works. And so let's look at the parable that Jesus has to share with us. Beginning in Luke 14, verse 12. It says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table heard him say this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. And so it's so important to remember how we started this. Where does Jesus speak this parable, this story? He speaks it at the Pharisees dinner party. And it touches on a forgotten virtue, really a spiritual discipline of practicing genuine hospitality. The Pharisee didn't have a category for this. He didn't understand this, that you are supposed to honor your guest, not for your own standing, not for your own needs, not for yourself, but for the benefit of the guest. That Everything was supposed to revolve around that. And here's what we want you to not miss. Don't miss it in this parable, that you and I cannot experience lasting spiritual growth without practicing genuine hospitality. You and I cannot experience lasting spiritual growth in our lives without the practice of genuine hospitality. This is a central piece to helping other people choose faith, who have not yet accepted that invite, who are not yet experiencing this party that God God wants to throw for as many as possible. And here's the thing. See, the Pharisee, he's in the room, but he's missing out on the party. The Pharisee's in the room, but he's missing out on the party because he believes all these external factors, the way he looks, proves that he's good. He doesn't need anything. I don't, I don't need this host in my life. And that's what Jesus is getting at at the first part of that parable we looked at. He talked about those people who are making excuses. You know, it's, it's interesting that all those things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. One individual was buying some property and said, I, I've got a property inspection. I can't, I can't come. Thanks for the invite. Maybe next time. And an- another guy uh, returns his invite. Oh, you know, what? I, just, I just went down to the dealership to get uh, a new batch of oxen and I got to test drive these oxen. So sorry, uh, maybe next time, count me in. Uh, thank you so much though. And another uh, one writes in, oh, you know what? Like we just got married and, and we're newlyweds and we're just getting our, getting our new house set up. Um, you know, sorry, we can't make it. And it's interesting to me that even though it was thousands of years ago, that these same markers of what it looks like to have made it in life, to have, have, have arrived in life, were still kind of the same back then as they are now. Right. That these symbols of like, oh, that I have crossed some threshold of success, of responsibility, of looking good to the world around me, that I've got to pay attention to my property holdings, what I'm what I'm driving, uh, what my relationship looks like to the people around me. Right. Like those are all the things we hold up still in our lives uh, and to indicate that we've made it somehow. Or like I said a couple weeks ago in our series, that somehow we're living the good life. We want to prove to the world that we are living the good life. But really, if our focus is just on our stuff, if it's just on our status and how we're looking to the world around us, we're not going to be able to see what God is up to. We're going to miss out on this grand banquet, this big party that God is throwing. And that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisee here. If you're focused on the externals, and you're not paying attention to what's going on internally for yourself, you are going to miss it. You're going to miss out on what it is that I'm doing and how I'm at work. work. And so we don't want to fall into the same trap of missing it as well in our lives because we're wrapped around just presenting this perfect vision of our, our job, our, our homes, uh, You know, again, just all the things that are so amazing in our lives, right? Now, here's where it gets even a bit more personal. The other people at the party. See, we don't want other people around unless somehow they make my life better, if we're being honest, unless somehow they make me look better. If they're not enhancing my life, I'm often not so into it, you know, and that's not how the party that God is throwing, how the kingdom of God works, right? You don't don't invite people uh, just because they match up with what you look like. God say, no, people don't match what you look like. They get an invite as well, Uh, not just trying to make our lives look better, but we want to make room for as many as possible to join in. That's what God is saying. The Pharisee was tripping over. He just couldn't get it. Now, if we are really practicing genuine hospitality, then we are going to be spending time with people who aren't the same as us. We're going to be spending time with people who are very different from us. They look different from us. They think differently than us. They don't talk the same way as we do. They don't necessarily have the same interests. You know what? Can that be annoying and time-consuming at times? Yes, absolutely it can be. Did Jesus model for us to do it anyways? Yes, yes, he does. And so I can't just be surrounded by people that just think like me, look like me, talk like me, if that's what my world looks like, I am not practicing genuine hospitality. That's what we can't miss in here. And even when it comes to church, even when it comes to our church gatherings, sometimes we can we can get off track and we forget we can forget this, that, that we focus on so much of the external factors, like the Pharisee focused on the external and what they look like, right? And so so much of our energy and time focuses on what's going on in our world and like that somehow we need to fix that in order for the church to thrive. That, that certain, uh, you know, things need to change in our society in order for the church to grow and be, be in a good place. Rather than focusing on the practices that Jesus invites us to embrace, like practicing genuine hospitality towards those who have not yet joined us. We are called to extend that kind of hospitality to people who are not yet here yet, to people that we might look at and feel like maybe, I don't know, like they don't belong in my life. Are we extending that kind of genuine hospitality to others? And so I need to speak directly to those of us that would say, yeah, I'm I'm following Jesus in my life. Okay. So often I hear so many Christians, it seems the only thing they have to say is just criticism about the world, complaining about everything about the world and the way the world is, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse, right? And that if that's all that we are known for, if that's all that comes out of our mouths, it's a reason why we are terrible at practicing genuine hospitality. We cannot be critical 24-7 and be an inviting host. Those two things are simply incompatible. They don't go together. So many Christians obsess about what is in or not in public school curricula or what is going on politically or legislatively, that that somehow is is what's gonna make or break the church, that that somehow is what is the most important thing for the church to thrive. And it's simply not biblical. When we look at the New Testament letters, when we look at the history of the first few generations of the church, that was not predominantly where their thoughts were at. That, that wasn't what they were called to do. That wasn't how they were called to interact. Their focus was not on what is broken around the world and what needs to be changed and pointing fingers and doing nothing. No, it was being active, being the salt and the light of the world. And I hate to break it to you, but if you're, follow, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Judeo-Christian ethic is not what saves you. Jesus is what saves any and all of us who are following him. Now. It's not that our Christian ethics don't inform how we interact with the world and and, in our thought lives. It's not that we shy away from biblical truth to build the foundation of our thinking on and, and let that direct our actions in our lives. It's not that. But the problem is that for too often and too many times in our churches, that truth becomes divorced from grace. And it becomes so difficult sometimes to truly see Jesus really present in our midst. I love how the Gospel of John describes Jesus in chapter 1, verse 14. How was Jesus described? It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we all have a part to play in practicing genuine hospitality and, and bring it to fruition in our gatherings when we meet in the, in the culture and the vibe of our church. But too often our talking points have turned into things that we shout and it's actually sometimes can push people away from the invitation. They don't wanna even check out the table because what they're picking up on is just anger and vitriol. And they don't, they're not even interested in hearing what Jesus has to, has to say. So what do we do? We need to learn to strip away those harsh words and the harsh edge and the anger that so often we lead with and the criticism. If we're going to make our churches places that are truly hospitable, places of hospitality. You know, think about even a word that we get from our kind of root word of that, hospital. Like, right? Our hospitals don't say, oh, you have a wound? Oh, like, no, we don't really, that's icky, gross. Can you take that away? And when when we don't have to look at that, then you can come back to the hospital. Or, oh, you're sick? Uh, No, we're not going to help you diagnose what's going on. Like, just figure it out take a couple aspirin and maybe come back if it hasn't gone away, right? No, like a hospital would never do that. Its doors are open to anyone who is hurting, okay? Our churches need to take a cue. We We need to look and act more like hospitals rather than country clubs to decide who is in and who's out and be happy with just a subset of the population getting to participate because we cannot experience lasting spiritual growth without practicing genuine hospitality, Because what's the entry bar that Jesus sets to belong? He says, accept my invite. That's it, full stop. And God, the parable says, wants his house full. For being honest, far too many Christians are happy with just a subset of the population being part of our gatherings. And so if we want to embrace God's vision for who he wants to gather, he wants a a full house of all sorts of different people, then we need to learn not to set entrance requirements or litmus tests for what it looks like to belong or to begin a journey of faith with Jesus prior to coming. We need to truly be genuinely hospitable people. Now, we need to address something that one of the ways that we are not hospitable is that we allow a politicized vibe and culture to creep in to the way we gather, right? What do I mean by that? Uh, that, that it kind of sometimes can feel like in a church that if you have to belong to a certain political f- flavor to belong here, right? And we've got to fight against that because unfortunately, far too many Christians that, that I've experienced in my decades of ministry have equated kind of a one-to-one correspondence with conservatism, with their Christian faith, like there are a one, one-to-one correspondence, that they match equally. And if we believe that, it's going to be nearly impossible to practice a genuine hospitality. Now, equating liberalism with the gospel as if they're one-on-one, in one, and one that is equally as, as dangerous as well. Because God has always called his people, he's called the church to be other than, to be different than the world around it. It's supposed to stand out as unique, okay? If the church looks like a copy, if the church looks like an echo of something else in our world, we've missed the mark. We've failed to create a community that looks like Jesus. It's not going to fit into any other category, So hopefully you live, you feel the tension that you don't fit anywhere else in the world's box. If you feel that tension, you're probably closer to practicing a genuine Jesus-like hospitality towards others than if you feel completely 100% comfortable in some sort of other category of the world and that, that somehow that that is a perfect overlay with your faith. There should always be some distinction because the church has been called to be distinct to be wholly other than the world around it and we've got to address this truth head on if we're going to take the parable seriously if we're going to extend the invitation to many and allow them to belong we can't obliquely reference it and dance around it and tiptoe we've got to address it directly to create a church culture that is truly nonpartisan, where where all sorts of people can feel like they can belong in Jesus' church. And here's the thing, you cannot condemn, condemn, and condemn half the population around you and invite them to a party at the same time. It's just not possible. It's not logical. And so we have to decide, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna be like the world and be okay in our clubs? Or are we gonna be like Jesus and take the message to many, to create space, to extend invitations to many? Because that's the point of the parable that God wants his house full. He wants as many as possible to join in and experience the blessings of being part of his kingdom. But the Pharisee is the one who's in danger of missing out on the party because he doesn't believe that he needs any of that. He doesn't believe he needs a change. Too many Christians get, get trapped in the same place as the Pharisee, right? That that we don't need to change, that that it's okay that just a, a select group get to belong. Right? And so it's abundantly clear that the only requirement is to accept the invite by the ruler to belong, to be part of this great banquet, banquet to join in on the party. Anyone who believes that they have a need to be redeemed by God in their lives, for God uh, to save and change their lives, that that's possible through accepting the invitation that's been extended in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And if we're going to be communities that are marked by the practices of Jesus, one of those being practicing genuine hospitality, then our focus can never be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees' focus was on insulating themselves, from the world around them, for protecting their positions of power and privilege and safety and security. That was the focus, the mindset of the Pharisee. Focusing your own own tribe. Don't worry about those outside. But the host of the banquet, like God, wants as many people to belong, right? So the Pharisee says, only people like me can belong. Jesus says, I want as many people as possible around the table to the banquet, to the celebration, to the party that I'm inviting them to. The question is, will we be a people who practice this genuine hospitality? Will we emulate Jesus or will we succumb to being just as simply an echo of the attitudes and the actions of the world around us? Now, for all of us, we need to know it doesn't matter where we are coming from. What's going on in our lives? The difficulties that we might be facing, the, the the hard things, all that is required to belong to the celebration that God is inviting us to is to simply accept the invitation. And so, how do we get started though practicing this genuine hospitality? If we're in a spot where we want to practice what Jesus is inviting us to, where do we begin? Let's look again at the ending of the parable. I want to read from the New Living Translation the last couple of verses, uh, beginning verse 23. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Now notice the phrase there behind the the hedges. And you might be thinking like, uh, so like, is God asking me to invite somebody who's experiencing homelessness to my birthday party? Like what's going on here? Like, no, like, your birthday party, your anniversary celebration. Of course, we're gonna have celebrations with more intimate gatherings of people, those closest to us. That's not what this parable is talking about. This is talking about the great banquet that Jesus is inviting anyone and everyone to participate in. This is the kingdom of God, an unending party that he doesn't want anyone to miss out on. He's just urging everyone to accept the invite to. And only those who sense their need for God are gonna be able to participate. In fact, the only way to miss out on it is to have the pride that says, I don't need God. I'm good with what I've got in my life right now. Thank you very much. That's the only thing that's going to really exclude us from participating. Think about that in our lives, because the reality is, why would we want to spend eternity forever with God at the party he's throwing if we don't want him as part of our life? Now, the reality is that the kingdom of God, this party has already started in part. We can already begin to participate with the good things that God is doing in our world. And so if we've, if we've missed it, right, it's not too late to jump in, to begin participating with this. And maybe for you this morning, that looks like repenting of your pride. You're saying, you know what? I have been living my life as if I don't need God. I don't want him in my life. And that's left me, honestly, pretty joyless pretty empty on the inside, and I need, to, I need to admit my need for God this morning. Maybe you need to repent of the reality that you're okay with a church that is filled with people just like you, the way it is, that honestly, you're not really that excited about different people, new people, other people joining in. Maybe you need to spend some time before God repenting of that. But what if you're in a place where you're saying, yes, I am ready to practice this genuine hospitality. I want to get started. Great place to begin is with food. (laughs) This great banquet, right? It's a feast, right? And so begin by thinking about, God, who have you placed in my life that I don't have a strong relationship with or I can build a stronger relationship with and just begin praying. Who do I need to extend an invitation to? An individual, a family, and just invite them to a meal to sit around the table with, with food or coffee or drink or whatever and spend some time just being present, being hospitable towards them. You don't have to have any other agenda because the reality is if eternity is going to be one unending celebration, what if the best invitation we could extend to others to accept that invite is to begin practicing that celebration now in our lives? Thank you so much for joining us as we continue in this series. Don't miss it. Hey, please come back, join us next week, and have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org.